This is The Guardian. We're all good to go. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Well, the Liberal Party uh, resolved today to say yes to constitutional recognition for Indigenous Australians, yes to a local and regional body so that we can get practical outcomes for Indigenous people on the ground. But there was a resounding no to the Prime Minister's Canberra voice. Now that the Coalition is officially campaigning against an Indigenous voice to Parliament, it's going to be harder for the referendum to succeed later this year. We are sick and tired of politicians trying to speak for us without genuinely understanding what we need in our communities, what the solutions are, the the way that they play political football with our lives. They're playing politics with it. Today, Yes campaigner Thomas Mayo on why he thinks Peter Dutton is wrong on The Voice. It's Tuesday, the 11th of April. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. My name's Thomas Mayo. I'm National Indigenous Officer of the MUA. I'm a Kurrareg Aboriginal and Kokogal Arabumlay Torres Strait Islander man. A signatory to the Uluru Statement from the Heart, have been campaigning for it for six years and am a director of Australians for Indigenous Constitutional Recognition. Where were you when Peter Dutton finally announced the Coalition's position on The Voice last week? Do you remember? I was in Sydney. OK, everyone, uh, thank you very much uh, for being here today. Um, got messages straight away from people, other members of the referendum working group, and everyone was very disappointed because we hadn't given up hope on trying to bring the Liberals on side. Uh, having a Canberra voice is not going to resolve the issues on the ground in Indigenous communities. And that's why uh, we shouldn't be voting for a divisive Canberra voice. Yeah, wondering what is driving Dutton and others to oppose this, you know, it's really hard to understand. There'd been an incredible amount of work done, not just since the Uluru Statement was made, but before it, to find something that conservatives could support. But a pattern emerged of questions answered, but those questions still asked, of concerns addressed and this pattern of ignorance that really came through with the decision. Mm. Let's step through each of the arguments the opposition leader has made for a no vote. The first thing he says is that the voice will be made up of a group of academics and won't be truly representative of First Nations people. They're not in favour of the voice because they don't believe, as one auntie said to me recently at, uh, at a function I was at, We don't want 24 academics. They're not going to be our voice. Well, it's completely wrong. 
a voice has always been about a representative body chosen by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, representatives held to account by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And that means it's not necessarily academics, it's who our communities choose. It would be a set term for representatives so that there's accountability through democracy. Well, the second thing that Dutton says is that a voice would be a, quote, Canberra voice. And creating another national body out of Canberra, as the Prime Minister's proposing, divides our country, it doesn't unite. And it's not going to deliver the outcomes on the ground. So I just put this... What, what do you make of that? Well, there's a huge irony there, a politician speaking from Canberra about what um, it is that Indigenous people are, are calling for. There's no way this is a Canberra voice. This is a voice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people coming from their communities to the decision makers, both the parliament in Canberra and the executive government who implement the policies, importantly. Um, that's what the voice is. Mm. I suppose Dutton's position largely is based on this idea that a voice to parliament would not fully represent Indigenous Australians all over Australia. Both he and Deputy Coalition Leader Susan Lay have said that they've spoken with Indigenous Australians in determining their position, including elders around the country. Peter mentioned Alice Springs. We all have examples we can draw on. I visited that community recently and I was taken to meet a family that was living on a concrete slab. I still remember the dirt, the heat, the dust. And that their position is in consultation with Indigenous Australians that are not in the elite and not in Canberra. Well, Dutton and Susan have demonstrated exactly why Indigenous people are calling for a voice. We are sick and tired of politicians trying to speak for us without genuinely understanding uh, what we need in our communities, what the solutions are. They're playing politics with it to stand there in Canberra, say that this is a Canberra voice that we're calling for, referring to an anonymous elder, just says everything about the lack of transparency, the way that they play political football with our lives. Uh, we're seeking to establish a voice that will be transparent, that will be genuinely driven from the communities. Um, you know, th this is exactly what we're trying to do. You, as part of the referendum working group, have met Dutton a number of times in the lead up to the negotiations on the final wording of the voice. Were you surprised by the coalition's final position after all of those meetings? No, I wasn't surprised. The meetings with Peter Dutton where he would say one thing in the meeting and then go out and just completely ignore everything that had been said inside the meeting... It was always, I think, quite obviously attempts to undermine uh, and to damage the campaign. And, and I really think the strategy that he had was to do as much damage as possible to the campaign, try and cause a, a big hit in the polls of the numbers of people that would vote yes, to soften the landing for him to do exactly what he did, which has now come out against it and, um, and has already started to do his best to see that this will fail. Mm. Well, the Liberals' alternative to the voice is a model that would be introduced into legislation rather than enshrined in the Constitution, and it would focus on local and regional voices rather than a national voice. The Liberal Party has a proposal here which I think unites the country, doesn't divide the country, and the Prime Minister has gone down a path where he sees political opportunity. What do you think of this proposal? Well, there's a contradiction there in that um, this voice 
is local, regional and national. You cannot have a national voice without local and regional representation. Taking up the issues that are common across all of our communities, things like housing, things like the justice system, all of these things are common issues that could use a a national representative body. The other part of the proposal is that it would provide symbolic recognition in the constitution. What do you make of that? Yeah, in 1999, when uh, the referendum on the Republic happened, there was also a question about symbolic recognition in a preamble that was brought on without genuine consultation with Indigenous people, and that was one of the reasons why it was rejected at that referendum. In 2015, there was the Kirribilli Statement. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders met with the Prime Minister and opposition leader of the time, and one of the clear statements that was made was that Indigenous people do not want just symbolic constitutional recognition, but we seek a a more substantive form of recognition that gives our people greater fairness on our own country. And so it was rejected then as well, uh, symbolism alone. And then the Uluru Statement itself and, and the dialogues that led to it, 13 regional dialogues, 100 participants at each, uh, chosen to a formula to ensure a cross-section of, of perspectives and experiences and types of advocates were there, not just the loudest of our people, uh, once again made really clear that we seek substantive recognition and the way that Indigenous people in that unique national consensus called for recognition was a voice. Mm, so it builds on that symbolic recognition by providing something more practical There's nothing more practical in a democracy than having a greater voice on the decisions that are made about you. And that's one of the the great reasons why we need a voice is because we're only 3% of the population spread across over 100 electorates, you know, in this vast continent and adjacent islands. And within this democracy, we're voiceless when decisions are made about us all the time because there's actually great value in symbolism as well. And that's about the Australian identity, that what constitutes us, our constitution, doesn't include, doesn't recognise our Indigenous heritage and culture that is over 60,000 years old, the longest continuing civilization on the planet. It doesn't recognise that, and, and symbolically that's something we should do. So it's both practical, a way of improving Indigenous lives, Uh, and the relationship between Indigenous Australians and and broader Australia. And it's also symbolic in that it's a generous gift that Indigenous people are inviting Australians to share, you know, that long heritage and culture that we should be proud of. Next, how the Yes campaign aims to win the referendum without bipartisan support. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. 
Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The overarching argument that we're hearing from Dutton is that the voice isn't going to work to improve Indigenous Australians' lives. But there are also other concerns that the voice won't work because it can be ignored. If Australians vote yes, the government is only obliged to listen to the voice but not act on its advice. What do you make of that? Well, I think when this referendum succeeds, that's a strong message to all future parliaments that they should respect what Indigenous people have to say through the voice and that they should act on what we say. There would be a political cost if a government ignores that advice which they could do. But if they ignored it and things continue to get worse, if there were failures, then there would be some accountability that doesn't exist now. You see, the power of the voice is not a legal right to veto or anything like that, which it won't have. But the power of it is the coherency of it, that Indigenous people can come together, not just on a unique occasion like in 2017 when we made the Uluru Statement, but can regularly come together through representatives that are chosen by our people and are accountable to our people and have the debates and discussions that are necessary to shape our policy proposals and through that you would get the best possible solutions offered to a government. That is a very powerful thing and it's powerful enough to close the gap. It's the key to closing the gap and it's such an important step for us to take. I mean, there's been much made of the potential harm that could be caused to First Nations peoples in the run-up to the referendum. Now that we have a hard no from the opposition, there's more political weight behind the no campaign than there was before. How do you think that will affect Indigenous communities? Uh, these upcoming months are going to be really hard. Mm. They're going to be really hard on Indigenous people, especially because uh, I can tell you, on social media, it's just getting worse. The the trolls, the racist comments, you know, just disgusting stuff that, you know, Peter Dutton irresponsibly is inflaming with his position. It's going to be really hard on our mental health. We're going to feel lonely at times. And I, I hope that the listeners will do everything that they can to carry the weight with us. Mm. Uh, it's going to be so important. Referendums have typically only succeeded in Australia if there is bipartisan support. What impact do you think the coalition's stance will have on the vote? I think we should be inspired by Peter Dutton's rejection of this to prove that he is on the wrong side of history. They're setting us on course for a historic first where we win a referendum without bipartisanship. I think we have multi-partisanship, you know. There's some Liberals that support it despite Peter Dutton's position. You know, the Greens, uh, crossbenchers like David Pocock. Across the political spectrum, we have support and I believe that gives us the ingredients that we need to win. Mm. We just have to work harder and we already plan to work hard. Indigenous people have worked hard for decades for this moment to, to give Australians this opportunity to accept our gift of our culture and to accept that to give us a voice is how we close the gap. Uh, we'll just work harder. Mm. And 
I'm sure you're going to be really busy over the next few months. Can you give us a sense of where you're traveling to and what your time is going to be looking like? I'm traveling everywhere <laughs> and anywhere, yeah. Whatever I can do to, to uh, see this succeed. It's been six long years now with barely a break. First two years of that, I was traveling around with the Uluru Statement Canvas, the original canvas. And when you give people the facts with this, uh, when you take the time to explain it to them, they tend to support this. And I'll just keep working on that. Hmm. The Uluru Statement from the Heart has obviously been a big part of your life for a long time. You spent a long time working towards this moment. What does the Uluru Statement from the Heart mean to you? It means that we will be doing something different. To me, it is about understanding that what we have been doing till now has not worked that I was an advocate organising rallies and actions against injustices, uh, further deaths and more deaths in custody, uh, harmful policy decisions, you know, massive funding cuts to frontline services that led to communities being threatened to close down, the gap widening and realising that nothing that we were doing, not on the streets, not knocking on doors in parliament was working and we need to do something different. And so this represents to me a very practical change that will finally start to close the gap and that means everything to my family and to my community because it is real lives that we're talking about, not just statistics. If you like, I can recite the Uluru Statement. We gathered at the 2017 National Constitutional Convention coming from all points of the southern sky. Make this statement from the heart. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes were the first sovereign nations of the Australian continent and its adjacent islands and possessed it under our own laws and customs. This our ancestors did according to the reckoning of our culture from the creation, according to the common law from time immemorial and according to science more than 60,000 years ago. This sovereignty is a spiritual notion, the ancestral tie between the land or Mother Nature, and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who were born therefrom remain attached thereto and must one day return thither to be united with our ancestors. This link is the basis of the ownership of the soil, or better, of sovereignty. It has never been ceded or extinguished, and it coexists with the sovereignty of the Crown. How could it be otherwise? that a peoples possess the land for 60 millennia and this sacred link disappears from world history in merely the last 200 years? With substantive constitutional change and structural reform, we believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through as a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. Proportionately, we are the most incarcerated people on the planet. We are not an innately criminal people. Our children are alien from their families at unprecedented rates. This cannot be because we have no love for them. And our youth languish in detention in obscene numbers. They should be our hope for the future. These dimensions of our crisis tell plainly the structural nature of our problem. This is the torment of our powerlessness. We seek constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. 
when we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish, they will walk in two worlds, and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda, the coming together after a struggle. It captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process of agreement-making between governments and First Nations and truth-telling about our history. In 1967, we were counted. In 2017, we seek to be heard. We leave base camp and start our trek across this vast country. We invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. That was Thomas Mayo. He's a Kararegh Aboriginal and Kalkagal Arabamle Torres Strait Islander man, a director of Australians for Indigenous Constitutional Recognition and the National Indigenous Officer of the Maritime Union of Australia. You can also read political reporter Josh Butler's explainer on the Liberals' no stance at Guardian Australia. It provides some really helpful historical context on the voice to parliament and helps you understand the coalition's position. It's called Dutton's Voice to Parliament Claims Explained. We'll post a link to that on the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Daniel Simo with additional production by Karishma Luthria. Sound design and mixing was by Camilla Hannon and our theme music is by Joe Koning. The executive producer for this episode was Miles Martignoni. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At Airbus, we bring the world together. Our aircraft connects communities, facilitating cross-cultural communication. Our satellite technology enables communication across the world and allows us to explore space, expanding human knowledge to create a better future on Earth. At Airbus, we're pioneering sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. Learn more at Airbus.com.